When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 57 of Podcast Royal. The Cambridges are on tour. Prince Harry is missing Prince Philip's memorial service. Princess Charlene is officially home in Monaco. And at last, we have podcast news on the Sussex front. Big episode coming your way. Welcome back to episode 57 of Podcast Royal. How are you, my friend? doing well how are you good we are sitting here on a tuesday night like we always are it's about 6 9 p.m the rain is rolling into birmingham alabama so we are praying for no connectivity issues as the <laughs> storm comes our way yeah i wonder um if if we'll be able to pick up thunder in the background it's kind of loud out there right now i hear yeah i was gonna say i hear the thunder i don't know if it's picking up on the mic but it's pretty it's booming out there All right. You want to hear what I'm into this week? You know, I do. All right. So this week I am really into all of the throwback fashion and accessory trends. I'm seeing that remind me of my younger days back in the early two thousands. Have you, have you started to see these trends come back, Rachel? Oh yeah. Like I went to the nail salon the other day and there were multiple young girls, college age girls and scrunchies. And that's when I knew (laughs) all things that are old are new again. That's definitely true. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, it's no secret that I love late early, or sorry, late 90s, early 2000s music. Um, But I'm really seeing a lot of like bright colors and patterns and clothing styles and smiley faces and, and all kinds of throwback stuff that um, I'm just really super excited about. It's it's kind of fun. Um, and, you know, we talked on the podcast not too long ago about skinny jeans kind of being out lately. Um, I'm also hearing, I don't know how I feel about this, but I'm hearing that lower rise jeans are having a bit of a moment right now too, which definitely oh. reminds me of my younger days. <laughs> um, but it's just been fun to kind of, you know, get online and, you know, when you're shopping, kind of flip through all the, the new stuff that's coming in for spring. Um, and I'm loving the throwback. In addition to clothing, there've been some meme accounts I found on Instagram, um, that are really dedicated for those of us in our thirties. Uh, lots of funny stuff that, you know, may remind you of your childhood. My sister pointed one out to me. So listeners, you can go check this one out. It's called 30 AF. Um, and you might get some good laughs if you go, uh, go check it out. So that's, that's what I'm into this week. Oh, for sure. Be checking that out. The nineties were in the early aughts were totally my glory days. I have no shame in admitting this and, but I'm not sure I want all of my nineties and early aughts fashions choices to come back. Cause there were some pretty <laughs> tragic situations happening in, in those years for me, but, um, that I'll check that out. And another good, uh, 
90s account is 90s anxiety on Instagram. I love that one. That's, <laughs> I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so I, as for what I'm into this week, I'm keeping it royal this week. It's our sweet Sophie, Countess of Wessex. She was wiping away tears alongside her 90-year-old phone friend, Edna Farley, who Sophie finally met face-to-face after talking to her on the phone since the beginning of the pandemic as part of the NHS volunteer responders program. So this meeting actually took place on Farley's 90th birthday, which was March 10th, which also happens to be the birthday of Sophie's husband, Prince Edward. So this video and this story actually made me cry. I've been very emotional these past few weeks. I don't know what's going on, but on a lighter note, I am living this week for Kate's tropical tour style. I mean, that smocked Tory Birch floral dress, the, um, she landed in Jamaica today, Tuesday in this yellow dress. So I wonder if one of those looks made segment one, Jessica's fashion pick of the week. So we're switching it up this week and moving what we normally do after the Royal rundown to the top of the show. Cause I'm just dying to know, what are you into? Okay, so we actually have, I feel like, a big list of fashion faves this week. Um, I really wanted to keep it to one, uh, but they just kept getting better and better. Um, so, yeah, the other day you mentioned we saw Kate in the the blue, uh, flowy, casual, beachy dress. Um, and did you say that one was Tory Burch? Yeah, that's Tory Burch. Okay, yeah, I missed the, the, the designer on that. Okay, so, um, yeah, I love the blue, royal blue color and the smocking at the top. Um she had another blue outfit on this trip too, not to be confused with the more casual look that we've seen her in. Um, but I think what I really loved about this outfit was she paired it with these big blue statement earrings and yes. I think they were espadrille shoes that she had on. Yep. Um, the bright colors and the statement earrings really made it for me. So that was the first one that really stuck out. And I thought this, this is a contender for a fashion fave. But it was not my most favorite outfit okay. so far. Okay. Um, as lovely as that dress was, I'm saying step aside for the real winner this week. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if listeners um, caught this one or not, but she stepped out the other night in this stunning bright pink gown by the yes, I loved it. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, I love this dress too. So Funny enough, I was just talking to my sister a couple weeks ago about how I am really, really into pink this spring season. I mean, pink is, pink's my favorite color in general, Um, but I've been on the hunt for something for spring that's, that's bright pink. That's that exact color that she wore. Um, I really don't have a lot of pink in my closet and I was so delighted to see her on the pink train with me. Um, And listeners might remember, I think. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Kate and William's trip to Ireland in March, 2020, which might've been their last trip before everything shut down with the pandemic. She wore that green vampire's wife dress, um, that kind of had that same sort of, uh, like sparkle shimmery look. And I love that one too. We talked about it on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, but the pink hands down my favorite. I love the color. I don't even think describing it on the podcast is going to do it justice. You just have to go look at it. It's um, got this like boat neck cut at the top. It's a floral length dress. These short, almost like ruffly sleeves, the subtle belted look around the waist. And oh my gosh, I was so excited when I saw that dress. I want one just like it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've missed Kate's fashion on tour so much. We haven't seen her on to, on a major tour like this when we saw her go to Denmark for two days, but that's not enough. And so she's on an eight day tour right now. And we haven't seen something of that magnitude since 2019. So it is, yes, that dress was gorgeous. The pink dress was gorgeous. I love the, like I said, the blue smock Tory Birch, the yellow in Jamaica, um, the Jenny Packer when she landed in Belize. I mean, she's just killing it. And I even loved when they went to the Mayan ruins the other day, just her casual look, just like a white shirt and, you know, pants. Like she just, oh, yeah. and some killer sunglasses. Can I tell you the craziest thing though? I did not, I have not told you this yet. I did not tell you this offline. I have a friend who flew in today to Belize for a wedding with her boyfriend and she saw from afar Kate and William getting on the plane to leave Belize for really? Jamaica. And she is apparently going to send me video and photos, but she's waiting to get to Wi-Fi because she just landed. So I don't, I don't know where she is, but I need her to send me that because I, can you even imagine just like being at an airport and there's Kate and William. And I mean, and I told her, I said, that's, and I thought they were going to miss each other because I thought that they would have left earlier in the day, the Cambridges. But, um, so I said, you're just going to miss William and Kate. They're going to be flying out to Jamaica. And she saw them and she about had a heart attack. I mean, I would probably have killed over and died. That's amazing. Well, you know, when Americans visit London, they like to be on the lookout for royals, but you don't expect to run into one somewhere else in the world. So yeah. that's really cool. I know. So I can't wait to get that video, but that that's a good pick. Yeah. I, I mean that it's impossible to choose my favorite look. I don't know. I, I don't know. I really love her in yellow today, but I really, I really liked the Tory Burch smock. Like it's just, and the way she accessorized it, I just love the whole situation. So she, Whoa. I can't, I can't wait to see more outfits in Jamaica and Bahamas. Me too. Pink has my vote. I don't think anything's going to top it on this tour, um, but I'm still excited to see more to come. Love it. Well, let's move into segment two, the Royal Rundown. So we don't talk about Sophie near enough on the show. But speaking of Sophie, speaking of royal tours, we were graced with the Countess of Wessex's presence in the U.S. last week. It's kind of a little under the radar, but she was in New York City for a four-day visit. She, among other engagements, delivered a keynote address at a United Nations event upholding women's rights in Afghanistan. And she was there on Commonwealth Day, which was March 14th. So to mark Commonwealth Day, she visited the Queen Elizabeth II Garden in Lower Manhattan where she helped plant a rosemary bush and she also attended a commonwealth day reception she uh sophie is not the only royal gracing the u.s this year williams earthshot prize lest we forget is slated to be headed here sometime in 2022 so i don't know if you caught sophie's visit like i said it was a little under the radar but do you have any thoughts on her being in the states yeah, you know, I think uh, like most of our royal followers, I was really excited to see this. Uh, we don't often think of the royals stopping by the U.S. when they make international visits, so it's really fun when they do. And I always wonder, you know, when they come to the U.S., what are their thoughts? Do they have a great experience? Do they love visiting our country? Um, you know, I, I certainly hope that they do, and I hope they appreciate um, our country and, and when they get to visit. I did read that the Rosemary Bush was planted in honor of the British and Commonwealth citizens who lost their lives in the September 11th attack. Oh, um, so I really like, I like the work that Sophie does and the things that she brings attention to. I thought that was really, um, a, a great cause to recognize. And, 
um, you know, the Afghanistan issue that, that she's been talking on, that's really important too. I think with such a fast news cycle these days, all eyes are on Russia and Ukraine right now. We forget a lot of the other, you know, terrible stuff that's going on in the world, like um, the situation in Afghanistan and the rights that were taken away from so many women in that country. So all in all, yeah, I do think it was a great trip and, and thanks to Sophie for all the work that she's doing. Yeah. We love her. And um, another royal that we don't talk about near enough on the show is Eugenie. And today, March 23rd, the day this episode drops, is her 32nd birthday. So happy birthday, Eugenie. Happy birthday. So, okay. I know all we want to talk about is the tour, but because we're on a cadence at the moment of recording every two weeks, I really want to go back to the story about William because it is so confounding to me as a journalist. So, go back in your minds before the tour to William and Kate visiting the Ukrainian Cultural Center in London last week. A quote from the event came out attributed to William that incorrectly said Britons were more used to seeing conflict in Africa and Asia and that quote it's very alien to see this in Europe. We're all behind you. So if he had actually said that, obviously that is extremely troubling, but royal correspondent Richard Palmer, the reporter who misquoted William, went on to address the controversy on Twitter because it blew up. I mean, it was it was a huge controversy, and as it should be, if he said that, that's really troubling, but he didn't say that is the issue. So uh, he... Richard, Richard Palmer went on Twitter, he shared a video of the moment where William did not say anything about Africa or Asia, and Palmer said to accompany the video, quote, the Duke of Cambridge on war in Europe, he doesn't appear to have compared it to conflicts in Africa and Asia, and the chaos, a remark he made was misheard, starting a social media storm. Apologies for reporting that online. So honestly, as a journalist, I'm not perfect and no journalist is, but that's pretty unacceptable to misquote someone in such a damaging way. That's literally the definition of libel. And as a journalist and to my fellow journalists, we have to be better about confirming sources and triple checking the audio and doing what we need to do to ensure that something like this just doesn't happen. We're also quick to report the news. I mean, the news cycle is just on a constantly breaking cycle it's it's exhausting and in that process we lose a lot of fact checking and we get sloppy and then of course so many spoke out against William saying really damaging things about him and quoting him as saying something he never even said so we've got to do better and you know I'm I'm still I mean the William's comments weren't totally accurate like but I'm still going to defend William as for being misquoted, but I mean this for William, for Kate, for Harry, for Megan, for Charles, for the pastry chef at Buckingham Palace. I don't care who you're quoting. You've got to be sure that that's what they actually said. So here is what William actually said, just for the record. Quote, everyone is horrified by what they are seeing. It's really horrifying. The news every day, it's just, it's almost unfathomable. For our generation, it's very alien to see this in Europe. We're all right behind you. We're thinking about you. We feel so useless, end quote. So there's some troubling statements about William's comment that he actually did say in and of itself. I mean, war is not alien in Europe or to North America, for that matter. But I'm really focused in right now on the journalistic sloppiness. So just consider this, a rem I'm on my soapbox here, but consider this a reminder to me and all journalists that we have to do better and we can't be so quick to publish that we forget our journalists, journalism ethics. So there's my rant over. I would love to hear your thoughts about this. Well, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with, with what you're saying um, regarding the journalists. 
I will, I'll push back a, a little bit on some of the things that you said, but, yeah. um, so, you know, again, we saw the unnecessary storm that that caused online. Um, and the problem with that is, you know, people out there online are so eager to attack as we see. Um, it's easy to get behind a keyboard and, and attack someone for something they said without, you know, especially when you have mixed, mixed messages like that or, or untruth. But, um, I also have a problem with the fact that, you know, we hear a lot about, you know, something that someone did that may have been wrong, but we rarely hear the follow-up and the apology behind, you know, what happened or, you know, fr from the original accuser when, when they accuse someone wrongfully for something. And that's not really fair. Um, you know, I'm sure there are people out there that read this online and, and still think that that's what William said because they never heard the follow-up or they didn't go back and, and check on that. So, you know, that that's really disappointing. Um, the one thing I'll push back with you on is his comment. Um, you know, when he said war is alien in, in Europe, he was really talking about our generation. And we think about, you know, growing up, you know, in his young childhood, I don't think we would really expect him to know a lot about foreign conflict or war as a child, but really going back and looking since the early 2000s onward, war in Europe and, and North America really, you know, we really haven't seen a lot of war or unrest in our generation in our adult lifetime. So I do think he's correct on that. Um, just wanted to call that out because I, you know, I feel like, I don't know, I, I it seems like people want to push back on him for something because it just feels like maybe something he said was insensitive, but I didn't see anything wrong with his comment. Um, and, and that was just kind of my take from it. Well, I mean, we can't forget Afghanistan, Iraq. I mean, those were all very much in our generation, but I mean, this well, is right. But Afghanistan and Iraq and Iraq are in Asia. They're not part of Europe. Well, but the but what I'm saying is that Britain was involved in in that alongside the U.S. for that matter, right? So I mean, not on our soil. Maybe that's what he was trying. I think to I think that's what he was referencing. Okay. Um, it, okay. It's not. He's aware that there's foreign conflict in the world in our generation, but it's not something that he's seen on European soil very often. Okay. Well, that's an important point of differentiation too. But all of it to say, where the and again, I don't know if I want to dive too deep into this, but um, the a lot of people are saying that it's just the inherent racism of the British press coming out. And he didn't even, William didn't even say that. And he was misattributed that. And it just, is that always underlying? I don't know. It's all I have to say is journalists have to do better. And I'll put myself right there with everybody else. You know, we all right, and, and me too. And I totally agree with that. And I think it's so easy today for people to hop on a podcast or write an article online, um, you know, and, and not really go back and check the facts. And I think that's something that, um, that we should all do better. And I totally agree with you there. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not calling for Richard Palmer to necessarily be fired. We all make mistakes. I mean, I, you know, I, I believe in learning from our mistakes and cancel culture only when it's, you know, I mean, some might argue this is incredibly egregious, but I hope Richard Palmer and all of us can learn from this because, you know, I know that you and I come on here every week or now every other week, and we try to be really careful about what we report. You know, we don't, we don't, I mean, we have opinions, but that's not, we're not trying to pawn those off as, as facts or quote, 
you know, William or whoever is having said that. And so we've just, you know, let it be a, a clarion call to all of us that we just have to do better. And we have, we, it's the, the news cycle is so quick and so speedy to report, right? Just to break the story that we like things like this can't happen. That's not journalism. That's just fabrication. So, okay. Anything else on that topic before we move on? No, I don't think so. Okay. So, um, the Royals are not attending events recently that they would normally attend. Example, William and Kate typically attend the BAFTA awards, which are similar to the Oscars here in the U.S. And in fact, the BAFTAs have been where Kate has worn some of her most glamorous gowns. I mean, I could think of a few BAFTA moments that were really stunning. William has served as president of the organization since 2010, but the Cambridges didn't attend the BAFTAs this year. But it's not for the reason you might think. Um, I think probably a lot of people thought they didn't, they pulled out on going because of Spencer. Um, they cited a scheduling conflict. Like many thought it might be because of Spencer, but actually Spencer was not nominated for a BAFTA this year. So um, they likely just had literally had a scheduling conflict and the queen missed an event of her own, the annual Commonwealth Day service at Westminster Abbey on March 14th. She sent Charles in her place and though she wasn't there in person, she did send along a message saying in this year of my platinum jubilee, it has given me pleasure to renew the promise I made in 1947 and that my life will always be devoted in service. And, um, Ending speculation, finally, to this topic about royals missing events they would normally be at, it has been confirmed that Harry will not return to the UK for the service honoring his late grandfather, Prince Philip, coming up on March 29th. That's a week from today, the 22nd, as we record this. The service, which will be held at Westminster Abbey, will provide an opportunity for representatives of many charities and organizations that Philip worked with throughout his life to pay tribute to him since his funeral in April 2021 one only had a 30 person limit and that was filled up with family so as, of course as we know harry has expressed we've talked about this on the show that he doesn't feel safe in the uk with the current level of police protection he has there so the royals as i said are missing a lot of events they'd normally be attending so what are your thoughts on this yeah, I know. Um, it's certainly disappointing to hear, you know, when the Queen has to miss an event, especially um, in such a, a big year for her. So, um, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll we'll see everyone kind of getting into things once spring gets around and um, they're able to, you know, I mean, I'm glad so far it looks like the Cambridges are, you know, they're carrying on with their tour. And I know Charles and Camilla have some, some traveling that they're doing as well. Um, so that's good to hear on the Harry and Megan front. You know, I've been saying all along on this podcast, every time there's an event come up and we're wondering whether or not they'll be there. I have always said, I, ever since the Oprah interview, especially, you know, the Sussexes as a whole family, I haven't been expecting them to make it back to the UK. And I think there's been a lot of factors between COVID travel and new babies and coordinating a family, but also, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of, um, I don't know, it seems like a lot of tension ever since the Oprah interview. So, um, you know, I'm not, I guess I'm a little bit surprised that he's not going to come back for this, um, but I'm not totally surprised. What about you? Well, I just really want them to get this security situation figured out because honestly, I want Lily to meet her, her great grandmother. And, you know, I want, I want them to be able to come for the platinum Jubilee. I mean, that's looking less and less likely as 
it gets closer to, to June and we don't have this figured out. I also understand why Harry wouldn't want to put himself or his young family in a precarious position if he truly doesn't feel safe, but I hope that there can be some kind of a resolution that's mutually beneficial for all parties because I really want, I mean, I just, I keep thinking about how great it would be. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an idealist, not always a realist, but how great it would be if Lily could meet Lilibet for her first birthday, which is June 4th. And that's right in the middle of the Platinum Jubilee. So I just really hope that there can be some kind of resolution. And soon, I mean, obviously we know that this is a legal matter at this point and, and legal stuff takes forever. I just, I really hope that we can speed this up because, you know, as a, as a granddaughter who has lost all four of my grandparents, when your grandparents are gone, they're gone. I mean, they're really, really gone. And I know Zoom is a substitute, but it just doesn't beat being there face to face, especially for these milestone events. And so I really hope that for all parties involved, this, this gets resolved. I do too. And doesn't it feel like Lilibet is growing so fast? I feel like she was just born. Oh, I can't believe she, I mean, she's nine months old. I don't know where the time goes. Like, I know. I mean, we haven't seen, we haven't seen a lot of photos, but it just feels like, yeah, she's, she's growing up really quickly. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, keeping in the vein of the Sussexes. So, okay. We have talked about this so many times on the show, but we have news about Archwell audio people. We have news. So I'm honestly so excited about this item. I can't tell you. So I've got Archwell audio news. It seems from what I'm gathering that Archwell audio is, is emerging, I guess, as the parent company of a group of a number of podcasts that the Sussexes will eventually be putting out. Don't quote me on that, but that's just kind of what I'm gathering. But Megan is going to release a solo podcast this summer and more details will be shared soon. We really don't have many details, just that there will be a show solo hosted by Megan coming out this summer. A spokesperson for Archwell Audio addressed the Joe Rogan Spotify concerns in the announcement about Megan's forthcoming show, saying that Megan and the Archwell Audio team have worked closely with Spotify and their senior leadership to ensure that the digital technologies so many of us use every day are rooted in strong principles of trust and safety. I got that exact language from people. So finally, I mean, it's been 15 months and we have Archwell Audio News. So what do you think of this announcement? Well, I definitely want to hear more about the type of content that will be coming out of Archwell Audio before, you know, I, I make a, a really, um, I guess, a judgment about, you know, what I really think about it. Um, everything's been super vague leading up until now. So we still, you know, aren't really sure what's coming our way. Um, I did read an article, though, about this that referenced what you mentioned, how she uh, was working with Spotify regarding, um, you know, misinformation, um, I think was the word that, that I read. Um, and, you know, I... I just want to leave listeners with a few thoughts on that because misinformation can't just be information you don't like, you know, not liking something doesn't make it misinformation. If you don't like the truth, it's still the truth. Um, so think about that when, when we hear that word, um, 
being shared. I've, I've heard other journalists out there talk about this. And I think that's something that's not being talked about enough. Um, and I thought it was a really interesting perspective and wanted to share. So I'll be curious to see what comes out from Archwell Audio. And we can talk about that more when, when they release some content. Yeah, we don't really have many other details other than it's a Megan show this summer. So more to come on that. And, um, and thank you for that perspective. And speaking of the Sussex's position on vaccines, um, Harry and Megan are continuing to push for global vaccine access, joining more than 130 world leaders, scientists, humanitarians, and more in signing the People's Vaccine Open Letter, which advocates for an end to vaccine monopolies, which is a cause that they've been uh, championing for a long time. The letter was re released, I can't speak, two years after the pandemic was declared by the World Health Organization. And in lighter Sussex news, I'm hoping you saw this clip, I'm, I'm sure you have, um, Harry made an adorable video to promote the fifth annual Invictus Games, which will take place in the Netherlands from April 16th through the 22nd. That's coming up so quick. Um, in the clip posted, posted to Twitter, Harry chats up members of the team from the Netherlands and practiced Dutch with them quite hilariously, mm -hmm. I might add. And at the end of the video, Harry puts on a bright orange cap, matching orange sunglasses, a t-shirt and shorts. Orange, which I learned while researching this, is the national color of the Netherlands, which I did not know. So I'm sure you saw this clip, surely. <laughs> I did. It was definitely goofy, um, but it looked like everyone was having a good time. And I love a good sense of humor and being able to have fun like that. Um, I will say having orange as your nat national color, um, I don't know <laughs> that I would like that because that is not flattering on my skin tone. No. I try to avoid orange at all costs. <laughs> that is not my vibe. There are two colors um, that I just do not wear a lot of, and that's orange and purple. And purple is because where I grew up in Kansas, um, and I went to the University of Kansas, our rival school, their colors are purple and white. So I would never have been caught dead as a child or a teenager or a college student in purple. And uh, I like lavender though, but I, I'll wear lavender, but I just don't, I mean, orange is just really, yeah, like you said, not for me, but it is funny how the shade of a color, um, really, you know, can change whether or not it works with your skin tone. And yeah. um, I have found that neon colors of any, any <laughs> color in neon does not work for me. And that is the one thing while we're on this, that I have to say about, um, Kate's yellow dress today. I thought it was really very beautiful and it did look good on her. And honestly, I thought she looked super young. I don't know if it was the warm air or how she had her hair looked great on her, but that was the one thing that made me, um, a little hesitant about the dresses when I tried to imagine it on myself, I was I like, I could not pull that color off. <laughs> I know I don't, I'm so fair skin. I don't, I don't look well. I, well, I don't look well. I don't look good in, uh, orange, yellow, um, I, even pink is, is dicey, like, but she, I mean, Kate really <laughs> pulled it off. So, um, yeah, you're right. But like that, you're so right because I will wear lavender, but I don't, I still don't really wear violet or purple, like just flat out purple. So anyway, I digress, but the Netherlands co national color is orange. And so therefore that's, I mean, actually I am Dutch, so that's funny. And I would just, that's very bright color, but they were having fun and that's all that really matters. So, um, by the way, I just want to stick this in here just to 
make sure listeners know that we are aware of this um, with Thomas Markle and Samantha Markle. But honestly, like we've already wasted too much breath on them just saying their names. Uh, we are we know what's going on. We're not oblivious to it, which is why we're not talking about it. But we're just not talking about it because it's just ridiculous. So when they come forward, my opinion is when they come forward with something of substance and legitimacy, we'll cover it here. But until then, on to more important matters. Are you okay with that? I'm good with that. Yeah, they're just, who needs enemies when that's your family? But anyway, so Camilla, um, she's no longer positive for COVID, but she still seems to be struggling with long COVID, the virus's after effects, to the point where she had to cancel an engagement to focus on her recovery. People confirmed that the Duchess of Cornwall is pacing herself, and Camilla herself shared at a recent engagement that she still has lingering side effects, saying it's taken three weeks and I still can't get shot of it. Probably my voice might suddenly go and I might start coughing and sputter, spluttering. Is it sputtering or spluttering? But anyway, um, <laughs> continued well wishes for the Duchess of Cornwall. And um, so flash forward to St. Patrick's Day, and then we get to talk about the tour, which I'm super pumped about. So after two years away, William and Kate joined the Irish Guards for their annual St. Patrick's Day parade and celebration in Aldershot about 40 miles outside of London. They handed out shamrocks like they traditionally do just two days before they left on their Caribbean tour of Belize, Jamaica, and the Bahamas. So did you have, okay, I'm sure you were paying attention and paying attention to the fashion and everything that was going on, but did you catch that adorable moment where that little girl, that toddler gets the bearskin hat put on her head by her dad. And there's this great Chris Jackson photo who we've had Chris Jackson on the show of Kate laughing hysterically at it. Did you see that photo? Yes, I did. And it was the cutest thing. Her tiny little body with that giant hat. So adorable. I saw Kate laughing too. And I, I just love little moments like that. You know, it's like, it's fun to see the outfits and all of the, you know, formal meetings and things. But when something really just cute and unplanned happens like that, I love it. No, I mean, that little girl was swallowed by that bear skin hat. <laughs> I mean, like she was, you could just see her little feet. The and inside of it, probably. <laughs> it was just so cute. I mean, and it just, the Kate's expression just made the, I mean, what a great shot, Chris Jackson. Like, bravo. That was so good. So then that was on Thursday, the 17th. And then over the weekend, William and Kate, of course, kicked off their eight day royal tour, Belize, Jamaica, and the Bahamas on Saturday. Saturday. Their first stop was Belize from Saturday until March 22nd, which is the day we're recording this. Um, they just landed in Jamaica earlier today. They'll be there until Thursday. And finally, the Bahamas from Thursday to Saturday. And it was kind of an odd start to the Belize tour as the Cambridges canceled their first stop amid protests about colonialism. The couple had plans to visit a coca farm in the foothills of the Maya Mountains, but protesters stopped that from happening. Some protesters were photographed with signs reading, for example, Prince William, leave our land. And we'll get into this in a second, but the colonialism protests don't stop in Belize. They've carried over to Jamaica as well. But while in Belize, they, uh, which is a tiny country, I learned. I was, I was trying to figure out how big the country was. I've, I've never been. I'd love to go. And um, I believe quote, you know, listeners can write in if I'm wrong, but I'm 99% sure that this is the only country in the, in the Commonwealth that is uh, Latin American, 
And so that, so that makes it extra special. It's tiny. It's not a big country. And so while there, they learned how to make chocolate. They danced. Did you see them dancing? <laughs> I did. Yes. I saw William getting down. <laughs> William had some dad moves. Let me tell you, he had, some, he had some real dad moves going on. Um, they visited the Mayan ruins. They scuba dived. Uh, Kate, as I said before, were the heck out of a Tory Burch dress that I need to find a way to get my hands on. And then, um, so then they got to Jamaica today, which is Tuesday. So that would be yesterday because this episode comes out on the 23rd. They faced protests yet again, this one calling for slavery reparations in Jamaica's capital of Kingston. So as we record this on Tuesday, the Cambridges are in Jamaica. They will fly out, as I said, to the Bahamas on Thursday. So we will continue our coverage of the Royal tour in our next episode. But I would love to know your thoughts on our first Cambridge Royal Tour since 2019. I think it's really good to see them back on the road. And as per usual, Kate is bringing it with the fashion moments. Yeah, I am really excited to see this. Um, It it is, it's fun. It's like everything's feeling, you know, pre-COVID normal, which is a term I've used quite a lot this last week. (laughs) Um, But it's a bright spot and and it's fun to follow along with them. And you're right, I'm just loving looking out for all the fashion that Kate is bringing and all the bright colors. I love how every dress is just like a different pop of color and they do look like they're having a great time. They look um, super happy and they've done a lot of really cool activities while they've been there. And I'm just really excited for this. Um, I really hope we've got more in the future. I do too. And I'm trying to sit here and think of the last time that we saw Kate so tropical and I, it's been a while. I mean, it's been a long time, but um, I just, I, I'm so, I love Royal tours and this is late breaking. This just happened this afternoon. This just came out this afternoon. We've talked about this so many times on the show. I can't even count. We're going to have a guest in the next couple of weeks that I want to ask him about this. Um, but we've mostly talked about this surrounding Barbados, who removed the queen as head of state last year, and Australia, who has talked about it at length. But Jamaica, which is where the Cambridges are as we speak, is the latest country to raise talks about severing ties with the British monarchy and changing the country's status from a constitutional monarchy with the queen as head of state to a republic. According to the Independent, quote, a coalition of Jamaican politicians, business leaders, doctors, and musicians are leading the charge. So this is late breaking. So I'm sure you haven't even had time to wrap your mind around this, but any, any thoughts on this? It just makes, again, makes me wonder what, what's going to happen when the queen's reign ends and maybe even before that, I mean, it sounds like they're pretty, you know, on, on it to, to remove her as head of state, even before her reign ends possibly. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see, um, you know, what, what develops in the coming weeks, but I think prior to Barbados, I would have thought, you know, maybe it would blow over, but I really, you know, I really don't know. We'll, um, we'll see what happens. I mean, look, the, as long as, the, as long as the people in the UK want this family to be their monarchy, they always have a job. But it 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 makes me sad to honestly to see their international footprint shrink. Um, I that was I, my thought too. Is it does? It feels kind of sad. 
it just feels in so many ways like the end of an era. Also, you know, I mean, there's arguments on every side. I hear what the people in Belize are saying. I hear what the people in Jamaica are saying. Um, I hear what the people in Barbados and Australia are saying as well. There's, there's, it's, it's a very deep issue, but it also feels like, I don't know. I then if like if if Barbados gives them up, can the U.S. take them on? <laughs> like I want to have. Well, you I know, I think do a royal tour in in the states every year. <laughs> I think you know, there's been this sort of trend this last year with you know countries talking about this, but the sad part is for so so long, way more than a year. You know, I mean, decades. Her Majesty has had this wonderful relationship with all of the countries in the Commonwealth, and they've really, really loved her and um, appreciated her being queen. So to hear them talk about wanting to pull away, that that's really what's sad is, um, you know, to think about the loss of that special relationship. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just, I've said this on the show before. I still remember going to the Bahamas about five or six years ago and just seeing the Queen's face everywhere I went and it just felt very comfortable. I loved it. And so anyway. I have, I want to ask the experts about this and we will in some of our upcoming guests. Um, I have questions. So a sweet news item to close the Royal Rundown on Carol Middleton, who of course is the mom of the Duchess of Cambridge and founder of the party supply company Party Pieces is launching a collection perfect for a Royal themed party ahead of the Platinum Jubilee in June. It's really cute. Like I encourage all listeners to go check it out. The collection is called a great British party. It includes balloons, banners, bunting, Union Jack cake toppers with mini cardboard cutouts of the queen and her corgis. So, I mean, I love this so much and what a great way to connect uh, party pieces, which of course is the Middleton family business to uh, the Duchess of Cambridge's family business. So I thought that was adorable. Yeah, I saw the post actually on party pieces Instagram account when I don't know if they were just releasing the um, the products or, or what, but I really would love to purchase some of these and throw my own British party. Um, I like how the theme kind of plays off of the Jubilee, but the, um, what is it? The great, a great British party also reminds me of a great British baking show. <laughs> so that was, you know, kind of fun for me too. Um, but I wonder, do you think Carol Middleton, you know, when she was putting this together and they're releasing this um, sort of special theme items. Do you think she showed anyone at the palace the pieces with the queen and her corgis to make sure that they signed off and said, yeah, we love it. That's a great, um, you know, tasteful way to show the queen. Or do you think she didn't? Because, you know, she has a pretty close line. She could just call up and, you know, yeah. sure. And hey, are you guys cool with this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think the Middletons are really ones to make waves. So I'm pretty sure that at least she consulted with Kate, right? Um, I would think they're extremely close. And, um, you know, I, I'm positive that it was Royal approved before it went out. There's, I just don't see Carol going rogue and releasing like, you know, random things without, without secure approval. I, I think she loves and respects her daughter enough to put her daughter in an awkward position. So I totally think that there was some kind of approval happening. I mean, can you imagine just being able to call up the Duchess of Cambridge and say, what do you think about these for our great British party? And by the way, you should throw a great British party and I will come, but you should order them now because, you know, the Platinum Jubilee is coming up. I mean, it's, it's almost April. So 
Yeah. Also, we gotta get ready. Side note to listeners who may have heard me laughing over here a second ago. I don't know if my mic picked this up, but when we were talking, my Apple Watch, um, I have <laughs> I have Siri set to a male British accent. <laughs> and he said he didn't understand what I was saying. And he had this long text on my watch of everything I just said on the mic. I didn't hear that, but that's hilarious. That's so funny. Um, and I can't believe, I mean, listeners, if you're hearing this, the thunder subsided a little bit, but I mean, it's definitely still, it's, it's definitely going to be a long night of thunderstorms here. So Moving into segment three, Royals Around the World. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, great news. Princess Charlene is finally home. She has returned home to Monaco and is reunited with husband Prince Albert, kids Jacques and Gabriella. The palace released a statement that said Charlene is home and will continue her convalescence in the principality with her husband and her children by her side. We've also learned we never knew where Charlene was. We knew she wasn't in Monaco, but we never knew exactly where she was, probably for safety reasons, and it was none of our business, honestly. But we've learned now on the back end of this that Charlene was at a Swiss clinic for four months and her recovery is encouraging. She's expected to resume her official duties gradually and that a return to public commitments will occur as soon as her health is strong enough. The communique restates the princess looks forward to once again spending time and socializing with the Monegasques, which I hope I said right, but I think I did. The statement from the palace concluded that Charlene still needs peace and calm. The princely couple therefore asked that their private life and family environment continue to be respected. So it's good to finally have this full circle moment to the story that we've reported on for so long. Yeah, I totally agree. I was really glad to hear that. And um, just continuing to really wish the best for, for her and their family. Yeah, I'm so glad she's finally home. And I'm, I'm sure her husband and children are as well. And the Belgian royal family, which we never talk about the Belgian royal family, but what a cool thing they're doing. They're opening their own homes to Ukrainian refugees fleeing Russia's ongoing invasion. This is confirmed from the Belgian royal palace. King Philippe has had a few very emotional visits with refugees recently, and current estimates anticipate more than 200,000 Ukrainians will seek refuge in Belgium and that around 10,000 are already there, mostly women and children. Refugees may stay at the Belgian royal family homes as long as necessary. So what a strong show of support for the Ukrainian people. Wow, yeah, that um, that's a really, really cool piece of news that you found. Um, I had not heard that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the equivalent of like, you know, them opening Windsor Castle and St. James Palace and Buckingham Palace and, all the, all the homes, Frogmore to refugees. I mean, how cool. And, mm -hmm. and I respect yeah. that so much. So um, that is where I will leave the news segment and hand it over to you. All right. So, you know, just what I think we've covered every lifestyle topic that exists related to Royals. I come across something else fun for us to chat about on the podcast. So I hope listeners are ex as excited as I am to talk about today's topic. Um, I I think it's fairly brief. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so I was home the other night cuddling on the couch with my snuggly dog and I had this thought, why don't we talk about royal pets? I don't think we've done a segment on Oh, this we haven't. I don't think we ever have. Like not so, in 
Ooh, girl, did you just see that lightning flash? Sorry. I just saw that out of the corner of my eye. It felt like it was right on top of me. Sorry. Um, no, I don't think we've ever um, explicitly talked about royal pets. Well, royals have had, you know, pets, especially dogs, um, but beyond dogs as well for for many, many years. They, they've always had pets around. Um, and I thought, you know, if listeners are in the market for a pet or they're considering one in the future, it might be interesting to hear about some of the Royals' favorite pets. So I, I was going to venture off and I was going to talk more about um, pets and, you know, with past um, Royals throughout history. And it was going to get lengthy so we could, you know, potentially do this in different parts. So today we're just going to talk about more current Royals. Um, but before we before we get started, Rachel, I was going to ask you, um, do you know how dog catchers are paid in England? No. By the pound. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where that was going. But that was pretty cheesy. I'm going to get you some wine with all that cheese. Oh, only if you would have asked me. I mean, now that I'm on, I can't remember it at the moment, but go ahead. I'm going to be like, okay. oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's it. So she has two and it's Beth and Bluebell. Bluebell is the one I knew, but I had, I didn't remember Beth. So I love the name Bluebell because it reminds me of Bluebell ice cream for our American. <laughs> um, and in my opinion, it's the best ice cream out there. The homemade vanilla and the mint chocolate chip cannot be beat. Yeah, some vanilla Bluebell ice cream hits the spot for sure. <laughs> All right, so moving on to the Cambridges, who are also dog lovers. Um, and thanks to Kate's brother, James Middleton, who breeds English Cocker Spaniels, they've adopted some from his litters into their own home. So listeners might remember their spaniel lupo um he passed away in 2020 but they have since welcomed another one into their home from james um it was a gift from him from a new litter now we actually haven't heard the name of their newest puppy um but our friend jane from over at uh from berkshire berkshire to buckingham she actually shared a video clip on instagram the other day did you see this rachel no, but is it from William and the kids in the park with the puppy yes. before they left for Belize? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did see that then. So she got it from someone else's account and she shared it. Um, but Prince William was out with Louie in the park and they were walking and their little dog was running alongside them and Louie was riding a scooter and it just seemed very normal. Like, you know, if I saw them in the park, I would probably have not thought twice and just thought they were any other family hanging out. They blended right in. Can you imagine just running into Prince William, Prince Louis in the park. I mean, how? You know, I think if I did, it would be really difficult, but I don't think I would say anything to them. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to interrupt that moment with, with Prince Louis. You just think about all of the press that they always have around them and all of the public, you know, trying to get to them all the time. And I feel like those tiny moments of normalcy are probably super valuable to their family. And I don't think I would want to disrupt that. Yeah, as much as I'd love to, but I mean, I just have to stare at them really awkwardly. <laughs> For sure. I'm sure security would like sweep in right away and take us off. Anyway. <laughs> get this girl away. <laughs> So next on the list is Prince Edward and Sophie Wessex. Um, they are two more family members who love canines. And I'm going to let you take a guess on what kind of dog they own. Oh, my. Uh, what does Sophie seem like to you? Are they lab people? Like golden retrievers or labs? 
Good guess. So they actually have two dogs. One of them is a black Labrador and hey. one is a Cocker Spaniel. So you're right. Cool. I could see them with both of those types of dogs. Yeah, me too. Um, we don't know their names, but we do know that in addition to their dogs, they have a less conventional pet in their home. They've also got a tortoise. Um, really? I imagine must be something the kids, you know, really wanted, but um, for listeners who maybe aren't ready to make that commitment to a dog and you want something, you know, a more low key option, maybe you want to consider a tortoise. You don't have to take it on a walk every day. <laughs> True. Or if you do, the tortoise walks about as fast as I do. So <laughs> I, I can finally keep up. All right. So next up, we've got Zara and Mike Tyndall. And yes, you guessed it. They also have dogs in their family. They've got two black labs named Storm and Pepper. And they also have a boxer named Sway. So this is really interesting. Zara mentioned once that their dogs are named after characters in some popular movies. So I read on, um, I think it was Hello Magazine's website, that their names are inspired by Halle Berry's character in X-Men. Angelina Jolie's character in Gone in 60 Seconds and Gwyneth Paltrow's character in Iron Man. So lots of fun facts today about dogs. Yeah, that's interesting all the way around. And another fun fact, I guess, is the Royals like watching movies too, huh? Yeah, I mean, well, you know that Mike, I feel like Mike Tyndall is like our pop culture dude. Like he's, he's <laughs> said before he watches The Crown, like he's, he's hip. He knows what's going on. Yeah, definitely. For sure. And he has a podcast too. So he's got to be. He does cool. have a podcast. <laughs> All right. So let's venture outside of the British royal family and we'll talk about some other royals who love their pets. Crown Princess Victoria, we um, of Sweden, we talk about her a lot. She has the cutest little dog. It's a. So it goes by two. The breed kind of has a couple different names. Some people call it a cavoodle. But I think it's more commonly known in the U.S. as a Cavapoo. Um, it's a mix between a Cavalier, King Charles Spaniel, and a Poodle. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cute, fluffy, small dog. And she named him Rio. Mm. How cute is that? That is cute. Next on the list is Crown Princess Mary of Denmark. She actually has three Border Collies. So okay. their family had one named Grace and then Grace actually had puppies and they recently, I want to say within the last year or so, got two puppies um, from Grace's litter. So they've got three in the family now. Love it. You, you're making me really want a dog, by the way. So well, when I got out of my last relationship late last year, I also, along with the boyfriend, gave up two dogs and I miss dogs. I want dogs at my feet again. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, if you're looking for inspiration on what kind of dog to get, I feel like we've got a lot of different options here to choose from. Yeah. There's a lot of different breeds, not just like everybody just thinks corgis, but you're showing us it's not just corgis. Definitely. So crown princess met merit. I think I said that right of Norway. Um, she has a labradoodle, super cute. He's got this kind of dark grayish black color and, um, her, I think it's, I don't know if it's a, he actually, its name is muffins. Muffins. Um, (laughs) Muffins singular muffins, plural. Plural. Oh my gosh. That makes it even cuter. Like muffins singular is a cute name, but muffins that's adorable. (laughs) 
So the family actually took muffins on a skiing trip with them in 2017. <laughs> and somehow he snuck out and got away. Um, and he gave everyone a big scare. Uh, but thankfully, someone did find muffins and returned him to the family with no harm. So all is all is well with the world. <laughs> I mean, I think that deserves like an automatic invitation to a state dinner and a tiara. If, right. If oh, yeah, definitely. Our dogs are important. So I feel like that needs to happen for that person. <laughs> so you might remember, Rachel, and our listeners might remember this too. We talked back in the fall about Princess Charlene of Monaco. Her dog died after being run yeah. over. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. It was an incredibly sad story um, and, and super unexpected, of course. And I believe her dog, she posted a photo on Instagram. I believe he was um, a chihuahua. And I think they actually had two. I don't know how to pronounce these names, but I think their names were Tula and Wayna, maybe. Um, and I'm not sure which one was the one that died. Um, but in the past, she's also had a couple of Yorkshire Terriers. She once had two and named them Monty and Carlo, which I thought. Oh, was really my cool. gosh. That's like the most Monaco thing ever. I love it. Right. But re most recently, uh, following her Chihuahua's death, she actually brought home a new dog in the family. Um, and it's not a little lap dog like her others. So she now has a Rhodesian Ridgeback, um, which she got in South Africa and his name is Khan. So, you know, a Rhodesian Ridgeback, these are, these are big athletic dogs, very different. Um, I'm sure super, super playful with the kids, uh, but a fun fact Princess Grace Kelly and Prince Rainier, who is Prince Albert's parents, they also had a Rhodesian Ridgeback as well. Um, and Grace Kelly also was known to have a poodle and a Weimariner. And I read online that she loved dogs so much that she would throw birthday parties for them every year, including Heck party yeah. hats, dog-friendly snacks, and party favors. <laughs> That's my kind of woman. I mean, look, if I was a princess, I would throw dog parties too. <laughs> Absolutely. Every dog deserves to be celebrated. <laughs> Um, and I also have to imagine that Kate Middleton can throw a great dog birthday party with party pieces projects. I want to know the name of this dog. We knew Lupo's name from like the beginning. I want to know the name of this pup. I know me too. Maybe, maybe we'll figure it out sooner rather than later, but you no, know, what we need I to do is plant people in these parks. They're going to just specifically to listen for what William or Louie or whoever calls out to the dog. Like telling whoever to come, like Lupo, come, but it's not Lupo, whatever the dog's name is. I mean, I think it would make for great content on their Instagram page to introduce. I know. We need, so there was, okay, on James Middleton's Instagram a while ago, like maybe a month ago or something, there was a picture of a litter of puppies. And one of those puppies, we don't know which one, one of those puppies is supposed to be the new Cambridge puppy but we don't know which one. And so it's like, there's so much puppy mystery. I just like, let's solve the puppy mystery. Right. <laughs> so I am going to say while my dog was not on this list, I like to think that he is a Royal breed. I have a West Highland Terrier mm -hmm. also known as a Westie and they come from the Scottish Highlands. So that feels pretty Royal to me. And he's so cute. And you've said before, my bestie is a Westie. And I yes. love that. My bestie is a Westie and he is my little prince. And I do try to spoil him with 
um, lots of doggy daycare visits and um, treats and all kinds of fun stuff. So um, before we close out today, I do, I have one thing I did save. I've got one more um, fashion fave for the week that I held out for this segment. So um, Rachel, I don't know if you saw this. I'm sure you did. And our listeners probably did too. But when Kate and William were in Ireland for St. Patrick's Day, did you see the um, uh, the Irish wolfhound that came out? The Irish, the dog? Uh-huh. No, I didn't see that. Okay, so the guards brought out the Irish wolfhound and he is, these dogs are huge. They're so beautiful. And he had this big dog. He had this beautiful red coat on. I don't know. Can you see in the camera? Um, Hold the on. I don't know if you can yeah. see um, oh my gosh. Hi, buddy. Looking, <laughs> so your fashion pick of the week is him. <laughs> Wait, show that, it again. Show it again. Okay. I'm looking at it on Zoom right now. Look at how cute he, oh, he's so pretty. He, he had a big boy. cute little nice red coat on and a little green sprig tied right on his neck. And he just looks so sweet. And Kate had a big oh smile. She was petting him. And that was my true fashion babe of the week. What a cutie. Oh man, he's a good boy. Now you've got me down. Like, okay, if it's not leaving me wanting food, now you've left me wanting a dog. <laughs> I just, I spot, cause like, look, dog people are my favorite people. If you love a dog, you're my type of person. So I, I've I always said, dogs. I've always said, I don't trust anyone who doesn't like dogs. Well, if Mary or Mary, <laughs> Harry and Megan have two dogs as well. Pula and Bogart, I think, or is it Guy? No, I. Mm, okay, but they had Megan had Bogart and Guy. I think it's Guy and Pula. Now somebody will okay. correct us. So okay. see, dogs. Everybody loves dogs. And, and aren't there dogs? Are they beagles? Or was one of them a beagle? I think, I think. Guy is a beagle. Okay. Or Bogart, one of them. Pula is like a okay don't quote me on this, but like a chocolate, like she's like a chocolate lab or something. Um, I don't know. I, I, Listeners okay. will know. And they're probably screaming at us right now, but everybody has a dog and I need one. I want, I want a um, Cavalier King Charles, but they're very expensive. And they're beautiful though. I see them at the dog part a lot and they're really beautiful dogs. Yeah. Or um, um, I, so the dogs I've had, not that anybody really cares is I've had a Maltese before. Or no, I haven't. Um, um, a oh my gosh, not a Shih Tzu. Um, oh my god, a Lhasa Apso. What is wrong with me? <laughs> Riley, our dog, was a Lhasa Apso. He was uh, a barker. He was yippy, um, but I loved him so much. And then the uh, now ex boyfriend had two standard poodles who I loved, um, and they they were big. Like they weren't they weren't tiny. They were big dogs, and so. Yeah, I think it's time to, I just love, I mean, who, like, life just isn't complete without some kind of pet, I think. They're definitely good little cuddle buddies. I love it. Well, that, you know, like you said, every time we think there's no way that we haven't covered everything. I mean, we're on episode 57, every lifestyle segment we possibly can. Here comes Royal Pets, which is brilliant. So thank you for that. Okay, well, anything else as we wrap up episode 57? I don't think so. Um, wishing everyone a great week, and I'm excited to see Rachel. We're going to dinner tomorrow night. So, we'll yeah, have, uh, I'm excited too. 
face time to hang out and chat. And um, we're going to talk about some fun, exciting stuff coming to the podcast soon. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we've got three guests coming up that are going to blow listeners. You're going to blow your minds. I mean, we're going to talk about some things. We've got three major guests coming up in the next month. And I'm super excited and we've got some fun stuff that we're going to be doing. So please continue to stay tuned and follow us on Instagram at podcast Royal email us as ever at hello podcast Royal at gmail.com. We will always write you back and don't forget to follow rate and review our show. Thanks for a recent uh, five-star review. That was awesome to see. It makes our whole day. So thank you for tuning into episode 57 of podcast Royal. I'm really glad we're not at dinner right now, Jessica, because it is storming over here. So we're going to tuck in for the night and ride out the storm. So until next time, my friends, bye. Bye.